Hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Joy Fountain podcast. It is my prayer that the message you're about to hear will in many ways than one feed your soul and strengthen your decision and resolve to follow Jesus. My name is Andaza Hezekiah, pastor at the Joy Fountain Church here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May your joy be full today in Jesus' mighty name. Now let's dive into the Word. Today, we're going to continue in our message series, The Blessing. And today, I'm talking about the blessing has staying power. And I want to read from Genesis chapter 5. If you will pick your Bibles and please turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. The blessing has staying power. Last week, we talked about the blessing is at the distance. The blessing is at the distance. So Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1 to 28. But I won't read all of it. I want to read from Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1. So we talked about the blessing being at this distant last week, and we looked at Abraham. He went all the way into the distance, and that was where the blessing of God came to him. Now, Abraham was already blessed. Remember how we talked about Jacob being already blessed, yet he said to the Lord, bless me. God is eternal. There's no limit to how he can bless. But each time these people that we read about came into a situation, into their life and say, God, bless me. And God proved himself in the life of Jacob. God proved himself in the life of Abraham. He made a commitment to Abraham. He said, because you have given your son, you didn't withhold him from me. Here's what I will do. Here's what I will do. And that has gone on for generations in the life of the descendants of Abraham. And I said to you many times from Galatians chapter three, we can establish, if you read it, you would find that there's, we can establish that those who are Christians, those who are believers, followers of Jesus Christ have been made to come under the family of Abraham, that tree. So we are adopted. We are adopted by God because through one person's lineage, he decided to bring Christ into the world. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, who himself is a descendant or a son of Abraham, son of God, but on earth, a descendant of Abraham, then you also come under that same blessing. And we have established that Christ is the blessing of Abraham. Christ is the, when, when, the, when God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that through your family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's what he was saying. He was talking about a descendant of his whose name was going to be Yeshua, which we call Jesus, the Christ. The Christ means the anointed one. There was only one who was anointed to do what he alone could do by the grace of God. So in Genesis chapter 5, we read something interesting. And we're talking about the blessing has staying power. And I want to read from verse 1 of Genesis 5. It says, this is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. Verse 3, when Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him. Observe that. At the beginning, we are told that God created human beings. He made them to be like himself. Well, after the fall, humans began to give birth to other humans that were exactly like them. We lost that spiritual DNA that God gave to Adam when he breathed into him and Adam became a living soul. And so for us to get reconnected as a result of the fissure of sin, it was impossible without a sacrifice. That's what God makes us to understand through the teaching of the apostle. And Satan was fighting for generations. Remember, in the eternal spheres, there's no time. So what we see as thousands of years is a couple of days. So in the eternal spheres, there's been a battle going on to stop man from getting that DNA back, the spiritual DNA. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us the DNA that we do not have as a result of the fall of man. 
Now, here's the problem. Science attacks this because true science actually can prove the existence of God. But false science says no. And, and it's all about aggregation of ideas and metrics. The problem with science and faith is that you cannot study faith by a metric. It's impossible because it's a supernatural quantum. So physics can address it. Instead, you can only make discoveries. That's why scientists cannot tell you they created anything. They always say this has been discovered. I'll leave that at that. Okay. So let's go on. So the blessing provides for spiritual stamina. That's what I'm coming to today. And I will read it. The blessing provides for spiritual stamina in a material sense. It is the ability, when we say stamina in a material sense, that is the ability to sustain prolonged physical and mental effort. This applies spiritually. When you say someone, my kids, my children are athletes. And we can tell when their stamina has improved and increased because they're able to stay longer doing the same thing on the football field, on the basketball court. You can tell. I am their parent. Honestly, I don't have stamina one-tenth of what they have. Once I start on the exercise bike, you know what? There's one in the house here. I think I jumped on it twice and that was about it, uh, you know? And it's just unbelievable. I will be going on that thing and after I want, my thighs would almost feel like the meat is dropping off of it. I'm supposed to be losing weight, you know, but it's not easy. You have to build it. When I started bike riding some years ago, I find that after riding two, three kilometers, I'm, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, let me call someone to come pick me from home. But a few years in, guess what? I can ride now without feeling that. Why? Because I've built stamina. In the spiritual sense, the spiritual stamina and the blessing. Remember we said the blessing is God imputing. Is God putting something on a person? Is God's favor in a person's life? Is God's divine ability in a person's life? He blesses us. He causes us to be a partaker of his nature. That's a blessing. God blesses. The blessing provides for spiritual stamina. The blessing will outlive a generation in order that God's purpose is established through the blessed. I call it spiritual stamina. The blessing in itself has spiritual stamina. You know why? Because it is eternal in nature. It's a product given by God. When God blesses a person, when God blesses a community, when God blesses a church, it's obvious. Last week, we talked about the evidentiary blessing. After a while, you can tell, you can see what God has done. So the blessing would outlive a generation. Follow me carefully in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years and then he died. If you want to do the math here, I can't do that for you. I, I can do that, but we don't have the time. I wish I could do that. But you can draw a line and put at the top of the line Adam. And you draw the line and write 930 years. That's how long Adam lived. 930 years. So you write that. After you draw, then you, you write the name of his son, Seth. So after Cain and Abel, Abel was murdered by Cain. God gave them a, another child called Seth. But they had left the Garden of Eden and then they had a child called Seth. So from that, you draw another line. You can divide that line into two parts, 500. So you, you make 1,000, a line of 1,000 years. Then you divide that line into two. So you have 500 and 1,000. You see what I'm saying? So on that line, you can find where Seth was born. So Seth was born when Adam was 130 years old. If you keep playing that game with lines, you can tell how long Adam lived and how many of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren Adam saw. 
So these people were producing children. One person just had, they were just producing children like couldn't believe it. Imagine you are still healthy to produce children at 130. And by 500 years, Noah had his first child at 500 years. So these people were producing. They didn't have uh, all this food produced by, by human beings that not started destroying food by putting all kinds of chemicals that blow us up as if, you know, we're being ready to be harvested by some alien, alien forces. I'm telling you. So we, we have destroyed food over the years in the process of making money and doing all these things. It has caused a lot of problems for human beings. That's why after a generation of eating so the, the wrong things, we are falling sick and dropping like flies even without any stress. I'm telling you. So you look back in those days, people lived for very long. You can tell how that Adam saw his children and grandchildren and they were produced. So a family of three, in a matter of years, they have produced so many children. One person has like 23 children from just one couple. You know, they were growing and growing and growing. And as a result, you see what has happened that they were populating the earth. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1, the Bible tells us clearly that in verse 2, he created them male and female and he blessed them. I want you to observe that. He blessed them. So when they fell, when they failed and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because the law had to pursue its course, here's what happened. The blessing was still on them. The blessing was still on them. Even Cain said to God, oh, now I know anybody that sees me will kill me. God says, no, I'll put a mark on you. Nobody will kill you. Even Cain still left in spite of the, the mess. The blessing was upon him. Okay, so let's keep going. Why am I saying all this? I'm trying to build something. I'm trying to show you that the blessing contains a special spiritual stamina that keeps going from one generation to another until the blessing finds a way to express itself or himself. Because the blessing is a person. It's God himself working by the power of his word, declared over a person, over a group, over a church, over a community, over a region, over a nation. So when you think the blessing is gone, that, oh, look at what's happening. The blessing will find a way because it has spiritual stamina. Let me show you. Go to verse. So these people were just having children, children, children. Verse 12. When Kenan was 70 years old, he became the father of Mahalil. After the birth of Mahalil, Kenan lived another 840 years and he had other sons and daughters. Kenan lived 9, 10 years and he died. Mahalil was 65 years old. He became the father of Jared. Do you see? It keeps going on and on. And then in verse 21, it says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. All of these things, we don't hear anything about God until verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Jesus. After that, Enoch lived in close relationship with God for 300 years. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. We don't hear anything again until verse 28. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of his son. Lamech named his son Noah. And you are wondering what's going on here. It's Noah that now built the ark, right? And God destroyed an entire generation and raised up a new one. Watch this. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4 so you understand where we're going. Verse 25 to 26. It says in 4, 25, 26, says, Adam had sexual relationships with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth. Seth means anointed and replacement. That's the meaning of Seth. She was grieved because of the death of Abel. And so when a new child came, she said, God has answered our prayer. This one is an anointed one, and we'll call him Seth. He's a replacement for the one I lost. Then verse 26 says, when Seth grew up, 
He had a son and named him Enosh. Enosh means mortal man. Why did he name his son mortal man? Because his parents were telling him the stories of how beautiful the garden was, how they didn't have to do any labor, how everything God will come into the and fellowship with them. Now they're just, it's tough. Life is tough. Out of the sweat of my brow, I have to eat. The ground is cursed for this sake. The serpent. So huh, when Seth has a child, all the stories that filled his head. That's why you see children. Yesterday I saw, you know, a child, a brown child. Because now, you know, we look at people as brown, white, black. The child was like two years of age. The father was holding him in superstore. With all that crowd, the child saw me and was waving at me like, oh, my best friend. This child who two years old. And the father had to look at me and smile in my direction. Because that child doesn't know race. Mm. That child. But it's what we fill each other up with. And then it continues from one generation to the other. The hatred, the bitterness. The child didn't know anything. Seth had a child and named him mortal man because he saw the reality around. And that's all that filled his head. As man continued from one generation to the other, this, this small remark here or this small verses, you can now go to verse six of chapter five. And then you will see when Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. He's still talking about these same people. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years and then he died. Nothing, we don't hear anything. But I want to show you something back to Genesis 4. Please don't get confused. Back to Genesis 4. Look at what it says in verse 26. He said, when Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. Now, in the authorized version, this is how it says it. In the authorized, the one that says, V, with us ever. This is how it is rendered, okay? It says, and men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In the New King James Version, it says, and men began to call on the name of the Lord. At this point, that's when people began to pray. Let me ask you a question. Who told them to pray? How did they know it was time to pray? Why did they start calling on the name of the Lord? Because in every human DNA, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, eternity is placed in our hearts. Every human being has it inside of us. What happens is that there's a broken connection. Until that connection is, until we're reconnected to God, eternity doesn't really become a reality. That's why Jesus came to grant eternal life. You can write down Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 if you would like to go and search. And I encourage people to search the scriptures for themselves. So the blessing that God put on them was going through the generation, finding expression, finding expression. Why didn't the blessing find expression? I will tell you, if you look at the naming of their children, they were naming their children according to their circumstances. They were naming their children according to their difficulties. Then somewhere along the line, somebody came along and after Enosh was born, they began to worship the Lord by name. Somehow they just said, we've been talking this story for too long about what happened in the Garden of Eden. We've been talking this same story for too long about the pain of Eve and the pain of her father, Adam. Adam is now dead. Eve is now dead. Let's do something. Can we call upon the name of the Lord that they knew in that garden? Let me tell you, in Canada, there are people right now in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, all over this country who have gone so far away from God, but in their heart, eternity has been placed. They are asking questions. They are looking for something. They are finding, and I keep saying, revival is coming. I met somebody who came from Asia some years ago, a minister, and he was saying, I don't think there will be a revival anymore in Canada because, you know, 
I said, well, that's because you do not understand. Look at the children of Israel. They leave God, they go through pain, they come back to God. I'm telling you that a revival will happen. Will everybody come in? I don't think so. But will a lot of people come in? I think so. Because God has a way of shaking the planet to cause human beings to look up in his direction, including those who say they do not believe. So God blessed Adam and Eve from the beginning. Satan got in their way, but the blessing was looking for a way of expression. Looking for a way of expression. And you say, why? Because people were not, when you are not plugged into something that's a reality, you don't get the results. Remember I said, when we were praying earlier on, I said, prayer is an earthly result, an earthly resource that brings about a heavenly result. An earthly resource that brings about a heavenly result. So when we begin to engage in prayer, when we begin to engage in worship, the results we get are God's intervention in the situation we are crying about or somebody else's situation. God can use your prayer to touch someone else anyway. It's a resource. He knows how to distribute according to his will. So God blessed Adam and Eve from the beginning. Like I said, Satan got into their way. We see what happened in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse one, 11, as I said. Eternity is set in our hearts. I'm repeating something so that it will be clear. It was the blessing that was looking for expression. So at some point, generations along the line, somebody, somewhere, somehow, in some way, paid attention to something that had happened in the Garden of Eden and said, you know, we've talked about the story of pain. Friends, many of us are used to talking about the story of our pain. The people who talk more about the story of their pain will never experience the evidentiary blessing. The blessing will be hanging around a church that is always gossiping about the things that happen to people and the things that happen in the past. There are churches that are not moving forward because we are busy complaining about what happened in the past. We keep talking about the problems of the past. We never look at the future. And God wants us to stop and look at the future. What has happened in the past is gone. The future can be glorious in the precious name of Jesus Christ. The blessed must acknowledge. So this is the key. You may ask, how do you now, you know, how do you get to the point? Honestly, I don't have an answer, but I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting something. I'm suggesting that this could be an answer because I don't claim to know everything that needs to, needs to be known about God and his ways. But I'm suggesting that the blessed person, which is you and I as believers, must acknowledge the blessing in our lives. It starts with acknowledgement. Let me show you. In verse 26 of Genesis 4, these people began to acknowledge God by worshiping him, by calling upon his name. So something began to change around them. And when you look at that, that it was after all of this that it led to the birth of Noah. And look at what happened in verse 29. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, Genesis 5, 29. I've jumped back to Genesis 5 now. He said, may he bring us relief from our work and painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. It took them several generations to stop talking about bad news, to start talking about good news. Many of us are in pain today because and, and we have anxiety and fear because we listen more to the media than we listen to the word of God. All the things that you see the media says, the media is good at presenting sensational news because it gets clicks. It gets, you know, advert time. More people watching means advert revenue. More people watching means more ratings. So if you are not reading the scriptures, if you are not engaging God, you will live in fear. Let me tell you, honestly, people, I'm telling you this. I don't have any fear. 
When the coronavirus hit, I worried for just the first week. It wasn't even up to seven days. I said, my goodness, uh, the church, how do I get the people together? We don't have a building. We were kicked out. I think it was two Sundays before other churches closed their doors. So for two Sundays, we could not go into the school building. We were renting a building. I had no fear. I woke up in the night panting the first couple of days. And then I turned my face to the Lord. I said, God, if everything is destroyed, I know I'm coming home. If everything is lost, I know. See, you have to become crazy to the point where even death doesn't matter anymore because you know you are going to be with him. So if there's a war, if there's trouble, if there's pandemic, all of those things are nothing. Jesus said earthquakes would come. Kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. There will be pestilence. There will be war. There will be division. There will be, it says, oh, and because of iniquity abounding, love will wax cold. See that? So for that reason, friends, we cannot live in fear. I, I don't know. I, I so, so one day I tried to be worried. I said, let me be worried a little bit to see what's going to happen. I just interviewed a project manager, Amanda. Do you know that when this project started, I know we're not raising $2 million. So maybe when we're raising $2 million, maybe I'll be afraid. I had not a single fear until at one point I had an attack in the dream. And I woke up thinking, my goodness. In the dream, I saw that we finished and everything failed. And I woke up in the morning and said, oh my goodness. That, but I knew who, what, where, where that came from. And after settling with the Lord, faith rose again. I'm telling you, these things are real. Fear will not destroy us in Jesus' name. I want to say again, not much happened after Adam's fall. Nothing changed until we see verse 26 and verse 28 of Genesis 4. They began to pray. And after they began to pray, I, and I'm going to close here in a minute. We need to understand that prayer produces prophecy. Prophecy is declaring the mind of God, whether for the present or the future. Prophecy declares the mind of God concerning what may have happened in the past. Now, for those of you, I'm prophesying right now. In the past, you may have had a pain. God is saying, I want to take care of that right now. And I want to bless you now for the future. See, it was after they started praying and worshiping God that Lamech named his son Noah. For Noah, he said, will bring us relief from our work and the painful labor. They spent generations talking about the bad news when they could also have talked about the good news. To say, it may have been so bad then, but it can be good. Friends, if we do not acknowledge the blessing, you have to acknowledge the blessing. So how do you acknowledge it? This is how you acknowledge it. You have to start speaking like this. I am blessed. God will provide. God will make a way. That should be your language as a Christian. As a believer, your language should be, God is with me. God will provide. God will make a way. All right? Change your language. Change your language. Not acknowledging the blessing leads to something very bad. I will point to 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 20 to 22. There were two men called Eliad and his brother. They were descendants of Ephraim. These two descendants of Ephraim went to steal from the neighbors who were Canaanites. They stole from them, and guess what happened? They were killed there. The descendants of Ephraim don't need to steal because they are from the lineage of Abraham and Jacob. Friends, as a child of God, you don't need to sin. You don't need to steal. God will provide. The more you say God will provide, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide. Last year when we had only less than how much in the bank, I kept declaring God will provide. God will make a way. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. And God continued to provide to this day and he's going to provide to the end and beyond in the precious name of Jesus. You have to say to yourself, I am blessed where you are now. Say to yourself, I am blessed. Declare it, I am blessed. 
declared, I am blessed. You wake up in the morning, you look at yourself in the mirror. I am blessed. Things are not going well. I am blessed. Things are not good. I am blessed. Things are bad. I am blessed. No money is bad. I am blessed. No. Keep declaring it like a fool to the world until it happens. You are not faking it till you make it. No, you are saying it till it shows up because you are blessed. The blessing of Abraham is Christ. He can give us spiritual stamina to win. Spiritual stamina. Write that in capitals if you are taking note. He can give you the spiritual stamina to win. Like these people, the blessing gave them the stamina. They were in pain. God said, oh, just keep moving. They didn't know God was speaking to them. They didn't know God was pushing them on. Until one of them just said, you know what? Let's try something. Can we hold a prayer meeting? Can we do a service? Let's praise the God of our father, Adam. You know, we, we, we don't know him. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know what he feels like. But can we just praise him? Can we worship him? From that time, prayer led to prophecy. And it has continued ever since. Every time there's prayer, there'll be prophecy. Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image. Boom! Then there's prophecy. Let us. Prayer leads to prophecy. Acts chapter 13. Paul was going to be a great minister of the gospel. He was in Antioch with all other people praying. Suddenly the power of God came upon them from prayer to prophecy, prophecy to ministry. Do you know Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? People who don't really understand the Christian faith, they say, oh, Paul was the founder of the Christian faith. No, Jesus Christ founded the Christian faith. That's why we're called Christians, people who behave like Christ. I will close by saying in Colossians 1.27, the Bible says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Because you have Christ in you, you have spiritual stamina. Hallelujah. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, it tells us that, through Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us and upon us. Friends, I love the scriptures. I know we live in a time where it's like, well, maybe you don't need to use too many verses. You know, people are not comfortable. You know, if you're not comfortable with the scriptures, you have a problem. You have a very serious problem. The only thing that doesn't expire is the word of God. Every other thing have expiry dates. So if I were you, I will use the word of God to bang all those things, smash them until they are expired because they all have this one does not expire. The Bible says that the word of the Lord abides forever. Say, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not what? Shall not pass away. And since I have not memorized the whole Bible, I have to use it to preach the word of God. Let me tell you, the day preaching ends, prayer cannot be born. And when prayer is not born, guess what? Prophecy will die. And once prophecy is dead, people cannot experience the life of God. All we have is clubs. All we have is sepulchers. Tombs filled with dead men's bones. May God deliver us and help us. I encourage you today to remember that the blessing has staying power. And that's what has been keeping you. Even times when you don't want to pray, you don't want to go to church, you are angry about what's happening around you, the blessing has been keeping you, child of God. And if you're not a Christian, you say, I want to know Jesus today. Today is an opportunity for you. Before we pray, Pastor F will come and lead us in prayer. And some of us will join online praying with her. And I pray that you pray along. If you don't know how to pray, Join us in prayer. How you pray is you open your mouth and start talking. The Bible says Jesus said. Some of you say, well, you know, I can think my prayer. Yeah, you can think your prayer. But speaking prayer is powerful and it makes thinking prayer more powerful. If you don't know how to speak your prayer, you will not know how to think your prayer. It is speaking that makes thinking powerful. Speaking starts with a thought. It now goes back to more thinking. You see that? So power in speaking. May the Lord help you as you pray in your home or wherever you are with us today online. God bless you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to bless your holy name for your word. I thank you, Lord, for all those who have heard the word of God today. Lord, as many, oh God, as are saying, oh, I want to experience the blessing of God. They already have it upon their lives as believers. Help us to acknowledge that we are blessed. Help us to declare that we are blessed on a consistent basis, agreeing with you instead of fighting against the blessing. 
without knowing that we are fighting against the blessing. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you are yet going to do. We give you praise today. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And we all said, Amen. If this is your first time joining us, you can contact us online at joyfountainchurch.com. If you want to know more about following Jesus, walking with Jesus, I'd be delighted to show you what way, what to do, where to go. God bless you again and give you grace to walk with him. In Jesus' name. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening. Were you blessed by the message? Do you have any questions? Did you make a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord? Please let us know. You can contact us by sending us a message on our contact page at joyfountainchurch.com. Have a blessed day.